I kill a communist for fun. But for a green card, I'm going to carve him up real nice. Welcome back. Welcome back. It's been a while. I've been on the road, but welcome back to the podcast. This is Morgan Zeggers, and today we're talking about murder. We're talking about communists. I'm just kidding. Actually, actually, we are talking a little bit about both. I kill a communist for fun, but for a green card, I'm going to carve him up real nice. But we're not talking about that great movie. Instead, we're talking about Roe v. Wade, um, because communists kill babies for fun. I'm just kidding. Okay, I'll stop. Um, But seriously, Roe v. Wade, it's no more. The Supreme Court just struck it down. Uh, I did an episode on this, you guys, already going through the science of abortion, the science of baby development in the womb, um, the, the mess of hookup culture, the deterioration of our general culture in terms of respecting ourselves and our future families and the stability of our future families and just creating a heck of a mess with our behavior these days encouraged by the culture around us and a few other things including what was wrong with Roe v. Wade in the first place it was an incredibly flawed decision once you see that once you see it in that very simple way it makes a lot of sense why it was taken down but people are very emotional about it and so what do you know we're in a big mess. Um, that being said, we're going to talk about that today. We're going to talk about the leftist reactions. We're going to talk about public calls by these radical leftists that are terrorizing cities. This is the thing. Blue cities and states are experiencing massive violence whenever the left doesn't get their policy desires. So then they, what, destroy their own neighborhoods and cities because they're mad they didn't win? But in those cities, thanks to our federalist system, they already have the ability to live under their desired policies. They're just mad that other states now have a choice to choose for themselves because the federal government doesn't have jurisdiction over these things. I don't know. Uh, It doesn't make a lot of sense. Well, these smart cookies, after destroying their own places for years, are starting to realize, wait a second, these people don't even live in our areas. Why are we destroying them? Um, They're putting two and two together that, guess what? We live out in the countryside. And now they're putting public calls out to attack rural America. (laughs) What do you think would happen with something like that? It wouldn't be good in their favor. Let's just say that. And we're going to get into it today. So that being said, let's get into the podcast. Let's get a few things taken care of before we get into these deeper issues. All right, it's Sunday evening, June 26. I am so happy to be back. I've been on the road for a few weeks. I had a fishing trip. I had a work trip in Texas. And then I wrapped it up with a work trip to Nashville. And now I'm home, so I'm very thankful. I got back in time to go to church this morning, Church at the Chip. Uh, Really love it. It's Cowboy Church. And it's really unique. I love going. If you guys know what I'm talking about, then you should probably go. If you're near Cave Creek in Arizona, I suggest you guys go to service. They want more young people to go. And I was kind of honest with them saying, listen, I don't know a lot of young people. I'll be honest. Um, That being said, great service today. It was really fun and very informative. I'm back now filming, but we're putting an episode out on Sunday evening. Why am I doing that? Because I just signed with Salem Media. I I think they're going to do a big more public announcement, but if you guys know me by now, you know that I prefer a soft launch. I'm not a big flamboyant release launch person. I just 
prefer to do the things and hey, it's out if you want to listen. So um, I've been doing this podcast for about a year now with the goal of being able to transition into a more formal situation with it. Uh, as I transition into the next phase of life, I think it would be really great to have this podcast be a main thing for me so that I can focus on family and then also record this in my off time and not have some weird boss babe nine to five corporate job. That was kind of the game plan. So it's all going according to plan. I just signed with Salem. Thank you to Sebastian Gorka. Cause what happened is he let me, he let me guest host his podcast or no, his radio show uh, last year in like December, 2021, I was told not to swear on it. I didn't know that the word T W A T was a swear word. And what do you know? Within the first six minutes, I called communists T W A T's. I did not know what that meant. Uh, I, I just thought it was a, a slight insult. Turns out that's not the case. I said that on national radio with millions of listeners. Very sorry about that. The good news is it was forgiven. <laughs> it was forgiven. And some people at Salem were listening to me guest host and they offered to uh, come on in and take a help. I guess you could say help with my podcast. And so if you guys have anybody, uh, if you want to have ads on the podcast, just talk to me and then I'll connect you with Salem. Um, cause they're going to handle that stuff from now on. Oh my goodness. Look at us go. So that being said, that's why I'm filming this on a Sunday. I'm going to release three episodes a week from now on, and they'll be about 40 minutes, or at least that's the goal. Now, that being said, you guys know I love a good soft launch. Like I said, what also launched recently was my nonprofit's series called The Freedom Records. So that's going to be 15 episodes this year featuring survivors from socialist and communist countries, or in general, they just experience political oppression and tyranny. And this is from around the world. Most of them, they're now in America. Uh, some of them are actually just the, the children of the survivors because the survivors didn't make it, or maybe they've passed away by now because uh, time is passing. And unfortunately, we aren't documenting a lot of the stories of the 20th century, and we really need to be. So that's one of the game plans, uh, one of the goals of this mission that we're on. But most importantly, it's to educate young people. The first episode is available, Shi Van Fleet. She lived through the Cultural Revolution in China, survived that, came to America, and is now very worried about what's going on here. The next episode just came out today, Sunday, June 26. It's with Jorge Ventura, Jorge's parents, separately, they weren't together yet, separately survived the civil war in El Salvador when the communists started rising to power. And one of the best messages is that in, in Jorge's episode is the fact that war does not judge by age. You are expected to participate. Okay. And so Jorge's father was expected to be a child soldier in the war against the communists. His mother was very young and was expected to take on a mothering, nurturing role for all of the, the children in her life, her siblings, I believe. And next thing you know, they survive, they make it to America, they fall in love. And it's a beautiful story. So if you haven't heard about the communists coming to power in El Salvador, what's fascinating is this actually led to the rise in the future of MS-13 in America. So what's really important here is that we understand the past and we understand how previous situations that aren't that long ago, that the 60s, the 70s, the 80s, don't let your mind convince you that that is way far back in the past. In reality, these decades are very, very recent. And all of the events that happened then led to what we face now today. So what happened in El Salvador with the communists coming, the civil war, the mess in that country, the refugees that came in, this all spurred what eventually would create MS-13 and exacerbate the situation. A lot of people think MS-13 is a Mexican gang. 
In reality, MS-13 started as an El Salvador refugee. I don't know if I'm saying that right. Salvadorian ref, Salvadoran refugees, sorry guys, refugees that came from that country needed to protect themselves against Mexican cartels and gangs that were attacking them. And then what do you know? what started as a community protection unit sort of thing that they created for themselves turned into a violent, aggressive, um, illegal mess of a cartel and gang itself. So Jorge covers that right now, but Jorge's story explaining all of this, connecting past to present is just phenomenal. It's at thefreedomrecords.com. Now, you might be wondering, Morgan, why are you yelling at us? I'm sorry if I'm yelling. I'm just trying to do things a little bit different now because, listen, I had six different truckers reach out to me and say that they cannot understand me. They can't hear me over the engine in their truck. They're 18 wheelers. And the fact that six people who drive 18 wheelers listen to my podcast was enough to just send me off the edge. Okay. That's all you needed to say. I'll start talking louder. Okay. We're going to try it out. I'm a, I'm a whisperer. I'm a quiet talker. So this is going to be a bit of a struggle for me, but Hey, we're really doing well. We're about nine minutes into the podcast and I'm kind of tired already, but we are doing it. Okay. It's an honor that you guys would even listen to me. Six, actually now seven people that drive trucks told me that they can't hear me over the engine. And that's all you had to say. Okay. I'll change my behavior. Last thing I was in Nashville. Ugh. if you guys know me, you know, I like country music. Nashville is not a place to go downtown and live out the country lifestyle, right? Nashville, if you like old school country music, probably not your place. You're probably going to hear more hip hop these days and that's fine. But what's great is the outskirts of Nashville. So that was really, really fun for me. I toured some properties. I looked out uh, at the countryside to see and evaluate the state for my potential future homestead. And I really liked the state, I've got to say. So that was fun. Um, What's interesting though, and this will lead us into the next topic. I'm sitting in the airport on June 24th, waiting for my flight. It was about 9 a.m. And I look at my phone and I see that Roe v. Wade was overturned. Dun, dun, dun. That was super duper exciting. Well, it wasn't shocking. I'll say that because the leak had come out uh, a handful of weeks ago. The leak came out. What happened is probably, we don't officially know this yet, but a radical left person inside of the Supreme Court leaked a written draft saying that the court was going to overturn Roe v. Wade. So we didn't exactly know if this was the most recent draft. We didn't know if maybe some of the justices had changed their mind. But the most important thing in this is that it broke massive precedent to keep the courts apolitical. We are not supposed to have political courts in the country. It's part of our checks and balances in our system that we have in this country. And breaking that is of course not surprising by the radical left because that's how they operate these days, but it was very important in the sense that it had never been broken before this precedent, this leak, this leak of a draft opinion. And so it shows that they're willing to get pretty radical for something like this. That being said, the justices didn't budge. The left leaked this hoping that the left or that the justices would change their votes and feel intimidated. And that's not how you operate here in America, okay? We have to have some people that stand up and say, listen, this is not how we do business here. I'm glad that this happened. I'm glad that the justices stood by their their initial ruling on this. And what do you know? Roe v. Wade was just overturned on June 24th. So 
wonderful job. I'm very excited about it. And we're going to talk about that next. We're going to explain the decision. We're going to explain the reactions. And my favorite part is we're going to look at what these people are saying now about attacking rural America physically. I don't just mean, I don't just mean with words. These people are talking about an invasion of rural America instead of attacking their own cities. Let's get into it. All right. So I've already basically gone over the science of abortion, the science of baby development in the womb, uh, the cancel the, ugh, the hookup culture that leads to the mess that we're in today, the nastiness that's promoted by media, Hollywood, and uh, even our politicians and activists. For some reason, they want to create massive chaos in society. I wonder why. Um, I talked about all of that in a previous episode. So if you look up my name and abortion, it's probably going to come up on your favorite podcast platform. Uh, go listen to that if you want to hear the actual science of it. I really go into detail. We're not going to do that this episode. We're going to talk about the reactions. Just a couple things, though, before we get into it. I do want to say there's just a couple things that we keep hearing over and over. We hear a lot of people saying, oh, it's those terrible Christians that are forcing their religion onto us and women that aren't Christian and people that don't agree with us religiously shouldn't have to comply with our religious beliefs, especially when it comes to abortion. But you guys, this really take away the religious aspect and you could still easily make a scientific and legally sound argument against abortion. You do not have the right to end the life of another human being. Women were blessed with the opportunity to give birth and to, first of all, to, to get pregnant and then grow a human life inside of them and give birth to that child. But that body is not your body. It's a blessing that we can use our body to help and be a part of the creation of that human life. But at the end of the day, it's not your body. I don't care about controlling your body. I don't care about taking away your choice. We aren't doing that. Your choice is to participate in having sex and <laughs> participating in the creation of life process that sex is. That's your choice. Now, I posted something recently, and I, I tried to talk more about this. I think this is uh, on the up and up in the conservative movement, especially online, but just to talk about the basic fact of, listen, if you're not religious and you don't want to hear the abstinence thing, if you're if you're not into conservative politics and you don't want to hear um, any of that kind of talking point, how about this, the basic scientific fact that when you participate as a woman in hookup culture, you're going to be depressed because your body releases deep connection hormones with the man and the man doesn't release those when you participate in hookup culture, but you do. So you could tell yourself you're going to feel as empowered as you want, as empowered as the media lies to you about. But at the end of the day, primally, biologically, you're sabotaging yourself and you're going to make yourself sad. Same thing with abortion. They say, oh, you're not going to feel sad after you have abortions. It's fine. It's, it, does, it doesn't have an impact on you mentally, women. Continue to do it. Continue to normalize this. When in reality, once again, women, when they see the pregnancy test, say positive, guess what? They release, again, that deep connection hormone into their bodies, and it connects them to that child that they've never even met yet because they just found out they're pregnant. Men don't release that same kind of deep connection hormone until they see and are a part of that, that process when the baby is born. There's differences between men and women. What? What? What is a woman? Um, but yeah, you guys, there's biological differences between men and women and not just in our our physical reproductive parts. There are so many important aspects to the differences between the two sexes and hookup culture, participating in that kind of stuff and the process of, of getting pregnant and giving birth. They are so fundamentally different 
it's so important for us to not erase these things because then what do you know? You have a bunch of depressed women who think every weekend they're going to feel happier if they go and participate in this stuff again. When in reality, it's, it's the complete opposite and society's lying to you. So with that being said, that's your choice to participate in that or not. I would encourage you to not do that. If you don't like the guy that you're actually hooking up with, or if you're dating him and you're feeling iffy, or, and, and you guys, I'm not, I'm not making the Christian angle here. I know that you could say, Morgan, they shouldn't be having sex until marriage. I'm just trying to reach the most basic levels right now, okay? I'm reaching the people out there that still participate in hookup culture, that still don't see the importance of being a little more strategic with your partners. If you don't want that person to become the mother or father of your child, don't have sex with them. I know that's a crazy thought. Don't do it. Even if abortion was legal and you, you could say, oh, I'll just get an abortion if that happens. Why would you do that to yourself? Why not just say, you know what? Maybe I don't need to do this tonight. Maybe I'll be a little more smart, a little smarter, a little more strategic, and I'll forego this behavior tonight. Okay. It's a simple concept. Um, I know it's complicated, though. Humans make things complicated, especially when they tend to be simple. Um, but that's one of the thoughts. We're not taking away your choice. This is not me as a Christian trying to force my religion onto you. This is me making a very scientific and legal argument that it's not your right to end someone else's life. It's not your choice. Um, you had a choice when you participated in the creation of life by doing the process that creates a human. Um, the other aspect is, is you hear some people say, well, if you're against big government, then why are you in favor of abortion or abortion being banned? You guys, government's fundamental purpose is to protect our rights. If we can't protect an individual from being killed in the womb, from having their life ended in the womb, then what good is government? I think it's government doing its most fundamental purpose. It's not government controlling a woman's body. It's government protecting our most innocent in society the unborn. Um, I will say a favorite take of mine was by Seth Dillon from the Babylon Bee. He tweeted, everyone who's angry right now just needs to think of Roe v. Wade as a precious, defenseless little baby being ripped apart with forceps and discarded in the trash. They've never found that kind of thing sad or distressing before. <laughs> that should work. Um, and then before we get into the reactions, a lot of people are still saying some things that make it clear I, they probably shouldn't have passed civics class. Okay, um, why was this case struck down? You guys, it's simple. Because we live in a federalist country. Because whatever's not specifically given in terms of power to the federal government is actually given to the states. And Roe v. Wade, even according to people on the left, was very, very wrongly argued and decided in the first place because they used, I think the, the fifth and the 14th amendment and a claim that in our bill of rights, since we have a right to due process and a right to privacy, we should be able to have the private right without government interference to choose to have an abortion. So they used the due process clause to claim that we have a right to privacy to get an abortion without the government infringing on our choice. That was their attempt to try and make abortion a federal right, a constitutional right. That is a very messed up way to argue something like that in the first place. So yeah, it kind of makes sense why it was struck down. Okay? So pretty simple. That being said, just because Roe v. Wade was struck down, does that mean abortion is illegal? No. There's a lot of people saying that too. Abortion will now be handled by states. Some states 
red states, will probably ban abortion or severely restrict it. Blue states will do everything they can to become safe havens for baby killing. So I will say it's quite interesting. A lot of people move states because they can't afford it, because it's not possible for them to pursue their goals and their vision in life, for them to afford a home or property or start their business or uh, take care of their family. Whereas people on the left, liberals and leftists, they're saying they would decide where to live just based on the state's abortion laws. And that says a lot about them. But I will say, go ahead. Okay, go back to New York. Go back to California. Get the heck out of Texas. Get the heck out of Florida. And get the heck out of Arizona. You're ruining that place too. Go. Go to your liberal fantasy lands where you can have your abortions all that you want. That being said, a lot of conservative activists are getting ready to take this to the state level. Not only fortify anti-abortion policy in red and purple states, but to also make sure that we are working on these states that are trying their best to become hellscapes where you can travel there just to abort your child. It's very, very sad. Um, So that's what we're going to see. We're going to see this taken to the states. I can't wait. And uh, yeah, it's kind of simple. That's how America works. It's a good reminder. I think this is also, I'm kind of happy. This is a good reminder for the people that don't understand our system of government that, yeah, states are very important. That takes me to the takeaways from the reactions of the left. First of all, it's now very, very clear that most Americans know nothing about civics and the American form of government. This is a great time for a lesson on federalism for most of America. One little example, (laughs) we have Olivia Rodrigo. She's one of the most popular pop singers in the country, if not the most popular at this point. Millions of little girls look up to her. She went on stage, I think yesterday, and this is what she said. But I'm also equally as heartbroken um, over what happened in America yesterday. Um, The Supreme Court decided to overturn Roe v. Wade, um, which is a law that ensures a woman's right to a safe abortion and other basic human rights. And I'm, um, I'm devastated and terrified. And so many women and so many girls are going to die because of this. And um, I wanted to dedicate this next song to the five members of the Supreme Court who have showed us that at the end of the day, they truly don't give a shit about freedom. Uh, this song goes out to the justices, Samuel Alito, Clarence Thomas, Neil Gorsuch, Amy Conan Barrett, and Brett Kavanaugh. We hate you. Now, what really, what really caught my attention there is she says that Roe v. Wade is taking away women's rights, but then also other important human rights. What other? What, What other important human rights in Roe v. Wade, the case that said that there's a federal right, a constitutional right to abort a child? Do you think she knows what she's talking about? No. Do you think she gets her politics from TikTok? Yes. And maybe her liberal handlers that are adults that are telling her as a young person to go lie to her base of millions of young people? 
incredibly disingenuous. Whether she knows it or not, I highly think that she doesn't know it. Um, But that's a good example for what most Americans would probably tell you that are in favor of abortion or that in general just don't understand our federalist system. Okay? This is such a good point of how do these people graduate high school? How do you become a voter in America without understanding what the difference is between federal jurisdiction and state jurisdiction on issues and legislation? How do people, millions of people, not understand that what's not specifically listed in the Constitution is then handed over to states to handle? We've done it with education. We've completely handed the power of education and educating our babies to the federal government. And now, for some reason, they believe that the federal government should also, under the Due Process Clause, allow women the human right to abortion that ends a human life. I don't know. Okay, it's a mess. But how do these people graduate high school? How do they then become a voter? And maybe this is why we have so many problems these days, because most people probably couldn't even define federalism for you. But I digress. The next thing that caught my attention, (laughs) you guys, this is a good one, Liz Cheney. She became the darling of the left because guess what? If you comply and bend the knee to them and you do what they want over one issue, just because you think you're going to get on their good side, what do you think happens? They will use you, tout you for a little bit, give you some love, and then as soon as you are no longer necessary for their political gains, they will chew you up and they will spit you out. And so that's what they did with Liz Cheney. All right? For a little tiny bit, because of the January 6th committee, she was the darling conservative, not conservative, darling woman of the right to the leftists. Well, what do you know? As soon as she came out in support of Roe v. Wade being overturned, the left turned on Liz Cheney. Because that's what you can expect from these people. They are just using you for a political win. She should have known that. But I digress. Um, They were saying things, and there's a whole article online, but it's basically a whole compilation of all of them saying, just when we started to admire you, you disappoint us again, Liz Cheney. The lesson here is that whenever you join their political movement, they will use you until they don't need to use you anymore, and then they will discard you, and it will not be pretty. The next evaluation that I had is that this my body, my choice irony, the the point that we're trying to make here of how can you be, how can you be, uh, saying my body, my choice in favor of abortion leftists when you are in favor of vaccine mandates. You guys, I know that that to us, it makes sense. It makes sense to call that hypocritical. To us, it makes a lot of sense to call it hypocrisy from the political left that has been claiming that we need to force vaccines onto millions of Americans or else they will be fired from their job and then in the same breath say, my body, my choice about abortion. Okay, that makes total sense to us. But to the left... They are going to say, well, millions died because of COVID, so of course we had to get a little vaccine. You cannot try and make that argument with them because it doesn't work in their heads. It doesn't compute with them. Yes, it will do good in terms of a social media video online, but other than that, I don't think it's ever going to change the mind of a leftist. And if anybody has a clip, I would love to see it because I've never seen a clip of them actually changing their mind because of that point. They always are easily able in their mind to make the case that, oh, it's totally fine to say my body, my choice, and to not have government involved in personal decisions if it's about an abortion with a woman's body, but we should be able to force experimental vaccines into Americans' bodies and threaten to take away their livelihoods and ability to put food on the table if they don't comply with a vaccine created by crony capitalist companies in big pharma that are then 
forced that are then prompting up a required demand by the government using a vaccine mandate. If that's not bootlicking, I don't know what is, but they just can't put two and two together, and I don't think it's ever going to work with them. Um, Last thing, AOC's live. I got home last night, and it felt really nice, and I was relaxing, and I went to the pool, and I listened to AOC's uh, live on Instagram because that's just how I like to partay. Um, she went live and she said, we're going to talk about the, the tactics to fight back. And so the first one that she said, it was about pro-life Democrats. She's talking about how, yes, they still exist in their party. And she basically said something along the lines of like, quote, we really need to reassess if it's appropriate for them to serve. (laughs) Sorry, honey, that's not your call. That's the voters' job to decide if they want to elect a pro-life Democrat or not. This is what's so funny about these people. They say that our democracy is on the line. And then they'll also say, but if they don't agree with us fully, then are these other representatives that we're expected to work with, is it appropriate for them to even be in office? Listen, not your call. But this is a good reminder for everybody out there. If you haven't heard of the Justice Democrats, Uh, When we talk about the rise of the radical left in America, it's easy to be like, oh, they're all socialists. But in reality, what's happening is the old dog, Nancy Pelosi types, that are kind of crony capitalists. They just want to get rich. They've used the system to get money and and benefit themselves, and they want to stay in forever. They are being replaced by the AOC types. And so AOC types are being put into power via the Justice Democrats. The Justice Democrats takes people like AOC and runs them in primary campaigns in deep blue districts. And what the goal is, is to replace Nancy Pelosi type representatives at the local, state, and federal level with AOC types in the primaries. Once they have in the primaries these victories, they can join the Progressive Caucus in Congress. The Progressive Caucus in Congress is the Socialist Caucus. The Socialist Caucus, aka Progressive Caucus, advocates for things like the Green New Deal. And when the Progressive Caucus grows, they have more power and bargaining power in the total Democratic side of the House and the Senate and other government bodies. So that means the more power that they have, the more power they have in deciding who becomes uh, the powerful positions in the party and who gets put in charge of things like the caucuses, things like the committees. All of this stuff starts to matter a lot more when they get more and more political power in their progressive caucus. So they're trying to grow the numbers there. And when AOC talks about, we need to see if it's appropriate for them to even be serving or not, she's talking about replacing those Democrats that are pro-life And the people that don't agree with her socialist economic policies, she wants them replaced with people that will comply with her and that will join the Progressive Caucus and that will work to take away political power from capitalist old school crony Dems. The next thing she said was talking about failing. She said, uh, some people, when they fail, they'll try something and it fails and they say, oh, it didn't work. But she said, what they need on their side are people that try And then if they fail, they say, oh, we need to try it a different way and just keep going until you win. In leftist terms, that means if you fail in the representative democratic process that America has, then you got to change the rules. If you can't make it work within the rule structure, if you can't make it work within the legislative process or the court system, then just change the rules. 
that's what that means to them. That's why whenever they have a big court case loss or whenever they can't get a bill through, whenever something like this happens, they say something along the lines of, well, then we just need to pack the court. We just need to end the filibuster. We just need to end the electoral college. We need to politicize the court with leaks. Or we need to destroy protections for minorities because why do these country bumpkins even have any political say in the first place when their population is so much uh, less than our city populations? That's why they talk like that because the legislative process doesn't work in their favor all the time. The point of the American legislative process is to allow checks and balances and to make sure that radical, emotional, uh, nonsensical political movements like AOCs and her radical leftist movements and all of her supporters, the whole point is to make sure that they don't get too much power too quickly and then destroy the country by passing crazy things at a rapid pace. The whole point is to make sure that our country moves at a slow pace and make sure that we limit radical change that could completely dismantle the nation. Of course, when that stops, AOC, the way it's intended to, she can't have that. So she wants to disrupt and completely destruct and completely destroy the process. So she continued on. The other really important thing was, what do you know, talking about state power. Leftists really love top-down approaches to policy solutions. They love to talk about uh, federal change. And so that's why when you see things like Roe v. Wade, they want abortion to be a federal issue. They want our elections to be federalized. They've been working for that for a long time, but it's not the case in America to have those kind of things controlled at a federal level. We believe in the decentralization of power. The left does not. It's very anti-American what they're advocating for. That being said, they're getting smart because AOC is now telling them on this live that they need to start paying attention to state power, to state elections. And so her big call to action on the call was saying, or on the live stream, was saying that these leftists need to stop only paying attention to congressional races and the big national races, and instead start to make sure that at the local and state level, they are showing up and voting for state representatives, state senators, and any positions below that at the local level. So that's something we should be keeping an eye out. The last thing that I want to talk about in terms of reactions is this growth of political violence being promoted by the left. We all saw it with the summer of love with Black Lives Matter after the George Floyd situation happened. Um, What do you know? We have the same kind of behavior happening again, but this time it's AOC doing crazy things like saying the Supreme Court is illegitimate and Maxine Waters saying to hell with the Supreme Court. Here's AOC. And yes, that that actually was her calling for people to go to the streets. So I wonder if that'll count as an insurrection if they actually go to the streets. But I don't know. Um, Here's Maxine Waters saying to hell with the Supreme Court, a sitting congresswoman. What a mess. You see this turnout here? You ain't seen nothing yet. Women are going to control their bodies no matter how they try and stop us. The hell with the Supreme Court. We will defy them. Women will be in control of their bodies. And if they think black women are intimidated or afraid, they got another thought coming. 
black women will be out in droves. We will be out by the thousands. We will be out by the millions. We're going to make sure we fight for the right to control our own bodies. Thank you. Hello, everybody. So getting more into that topic, the the title of this podcast was uh, something along the lines of like violence and riots coming to rural America. That's because these people are starting to realize that they're destroying in their riots and their violent ways their own cities, cities that conservatives and anti-abortion people don't even want to be in, or if we are, it's in very small numbers. Um, So they're putting two and two together that, oh wait, maybe we should take it to where these country bumpkins actually live, these evil, radical, conservative Christians. <laughs> and these are their own words. I'm sorry. I'm just kidding. But they're starting to realize that, oh, wait, maybe we're not doing something right by rioting in our own cities. I don't know. So I'll give them credit. That's kind of smart on their part. But overall, it would result in something very, very bad for them. The first thing that we need to address is the fact that leftists have always been violent and intimidating with their political tactics. They believe in a concept called force, not choice. And even though they like to say my body, my choice, they despise the concept that we have free will and should be able to choose, even if it goes against their utopian communist dreams. So what we saw, starting with the leak of the Supreme Court written decision that basically exposed the fact that the Supreme Court was about to overturn Roe v. Wade, the leftists began attacking pro-life centers, pregnancy centers, and women's health centers that even dared to associate with the pro-life causes. Now, over 23, since the leak, over 23 of these health centers for women, pregnant women, and families have been firebombed and or vandalized. Firebombed. The pictures are disturbing. With all of these destructive episodes of domestic terrorism, because that's what it is, these are domestic terrorists, they're leaving behind the same message. If abortions aren't safe, neither are you. The next thing that happened is Brett Kavanaugh had an assassin (laughs) travel from California all the way to Washington, D.C. to go assassinate Justice Brett Kavanaugh before the decision came out. And it's not like his security team caught the guy. No, no, no. The guy, fortunately, just called and turned himself into 911. That's kind of scary. I mean, what if he hadn't done that? So then everybody was calling on Nancy Pelosi to step up security for the justices. What do you know? She wouldn't. She wouldn't. She refused. It took a very long time for her to actually get the ball moving on this. Similar to J6. I don't know. Eh, eh. I digress. Um, the next thing that happened, turns out not just Brett Kavanaugh was under attack, but then Amy Coney Barrett, the next justice, they were stalking her schedule, stalking her schedule, including her moments where she would go to church and the times that her children were going to school so that they can track her travel and her location of not just her, but her and her family members and her kids, the sickos. So then they started actually openly discussing political violence. This is where things get weird. The case came down. And next thing you know, we have this concept of a night of rage. What is that? Do you mean? Well, it turns out the Department of Homeland Security 
found out that a, a group called Jane's Revenge had been coordinating for a night of rage. A DC call to action is what this poster says that I'm looking at right now. And Department of Homeland Security was working with churches and pro-life centers and family centers because they were about to be potentially under attack with what this poster calls DC call to action, night of rage, the night of SCOTUS, then or the night SCOTUS overturns Roe v. Wade, hit the streets. You said you'd riot. Quote, to our oppressors, if abortions aren't safe, you're not either. Jane's Revenge. So at my nonprofit, Young Americans Against Socialism, we interview the survivors for the Freedom Records. That's at thefreedomrecords.com. Uh, Allie, who does a ton of the history research for us, she put together a really cool thing uh, about how a night of rage, this concept is actually quite historic. Um, she wrote this great piece and it says a night of rage is being called as the Supreme court decision to overturn Roe v. Wade has been officially made in a six to three vote in the past months. Since the SCOTUS leak, many pregnancy centers have been targeted by arson, firebombs and vandalism, including an assassination attempt on justice Kavanaugh. The night of rage is in reference to demonstrations that lasted for days, including a multitude of violent actions organized by the weather underground, a communist group that formed in the 1960s. Now, if you guys want to read more about that, you can go to our nonprofits, Instagram page. That's where Allie's been posting a lot of this stuff. Um, or just check out all of our work at thefreedomrecords.com. But kudos to Allie for putting that together and for putting two and two together specifically with this weather underground thing. It's it's a classic communist term, this night of rage concept. But yes, so they were getting clear about a night of rage and being public about it, posting posters about it all over the streets. What's interesting, though, is that these people are, are just so antithetical to America's core values in the sense that people should be able to oppose each other politically without getting so aggressive and violent. They're also so cocky. They're so confident in their violent ways that they're posting on social media as if it's not going to be flagged by our federal government and they'll go to prison for it. These are just some of the things. Some guy tweeted, I'm going to assassinate Supreme Court Justice Clarence, Tom Clarence Thomas. And then when people were starting to report it to the FBI, the Justice Department, they were starting to report it on Twitter. Guess what Twitter said? Twitter said, we want to let you know that uh, this account hasn't broken our safety policies. We know this isn't the answer you're looking for. If this account breaks our policies in the future, we'll notify you. You can block the account, which means you won't be able to follow, see your tweets, or it won't be able to follow you, see your tweets, or message you. What? Here's a summary of what isn't allowed on Twitter, according to our safety policies. Threatening violence. So why is Twitter allowing someone to say, I'm going to assassinate Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas, and then when you report it, it says, oh, this is allowed under our code, even though the code says you don't allow political violence threats. I don't know. Well, here are some other ones. Somebody said, somebody needs to assassinate them MFers in the Supreme Court. Someone said, they don't assassinate politicians like they used to anymore. Another said, they don't assassinate politicians enough in this country. Oh, and then another girl said, I don't understand why we don't just assassinate everyone in power and just clean house. I'm on board. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh, more. Hockey got me wanting to assassinate a Supreme Court justice. What happened to the men who used to be down to assassinate politicians? There's a few we could do without. Man, if you don't tell your stands to mobilize and assassinate the Supreme Court justices, you know these BITCHs are crazy. 
People in high positions of power just don't get assassinated like they used to. <laughs> what in the world? Like, that used to not be a concept of, of publicly admitting that you support assassinations, even joking about it. It's just a no-no. But now the political rhetoric in our country is so aggressive and violent and divisive that we can just openly do this. And what do you know? Twitter doesn't take them down. Interesting. Now, that being said, getting back to that that night of rage question, this this idea of, wait, so if the left doesn't get what they want politically, they'll try to intimidate and threaten violence in our communities. A lot of, not even a lot, too many people like to ask the question, do you think they're going to riot if XYZ happens? Like for this example, do you you think if Roe v. Wade gets overturned, they're going to hit the streets? You guys, that's a a bad question to be asking. The question isn't, do you think they're going to or will they? If XYZ happens, will they? The real question is, when will they? When are they going to? There are very organized and funded and trained and equipped groups in this country that meet secretly, privately, or now even publicly and train. Antifa has trainings where they have been caught teaching each other how to gouge eyes out in black block at the upcoming protests, whatever ones they end up going to. They are very clear that they are ready to protest. And I want it to be clear for you guys. They aren't just, oh, all of a sudden I'm mad and I'm going to take to the streets. No, these are organized groups that are waiting for weak moments in our country, driven by highly emotional political issues. They're just waiting for these kind of things to happen. I hate to say it, but they're waiting for another young black man to get shot by police because they will riot. They will do it. They are prepared for it. They're just waiting. When something like this happens, they are very much excited because it allows them to continue to further their goals of spreading violence and chaos in our country. So it's not a question of if they will or do you think they will, all these things. It's when will they? Because they are waiting for it to happen. And it's just going to happen as soon as they can seize the opportunity that comes next. That brings us to the night of rage and what we're experiencing. But most importantly, I want to remind you guys that this isn't just something that has to do with abortions. This is how they handle a lot of these issues. I want you guys, if you want some homework, go to BAMN.com. B-A-M as in Morgan. N as in Nancy.com. It's by any means necessary. That's what it stands for. And it basically is a classic term used by leftists that they want to achieve their political goals by any means necessary. To them, to leftists, the end justifies the means. That's another classic communist term. I think it was coined by Machiavelli. And it's now used and abused by the radical left in a violent way to justify their violent tactics and destructive tactics in the goal of pursuing and and hopefully in their eyes achieving their little communist utopia they believe the suffering that can come from the the effort to get there is worth the end result the end justifies the means so that being said it makes a lot of sense why they have things like a website called by any means necessary.com the other website i want you guys to go to is sunrisemovement.org sunrisemovement.org are they a what are they? How did they get .org? I'll have to look into that. Um, are they a nonprofit? That'd be insane. Um, well, sunrisemovement.org has a movement called Wide Awake Campaign, and I've been watching this one for years. 
If you look at their campaigns, active campaigns, there's one called We Are Wide Awake, Organize in Action, Waking Up Politicians Across the Country. I'm sure you've heard of the leftist tactic of going outside of politicians' homes or political officials' homes and terrorizing them until they, I don't know, I think that they're going to They think they're going to change the person's mind. Who knows? It usually doesn't work, but it definitely is scary, especially when you have kids and you don't want to um, face the repercussions of a violent leftist mob outside of your home that knows where you live. So here's what the website says. And keep in mind, Sunrise Movement, if you guys haven't heard of them before, they're basically the, the lobbying legislative arm trying to advocate for a passage of the Green New Deal. They do it at the federal, state, and local level fascinating organization. I track them quite a lot. Um, But wide awake campaign. It says, why are young people interrupting the sleep of local politicians? Because it works. Believe it or not, these tactics are over a century old, inspired by the wide awakes, a pro-abolition mass youth movement in the 1860s, right before the Civil War, who turned anti-abolition representatives' lives into waking nightmares by banging pots and pans outside their windows. So yeah, the, first of all, how cocky of you as a communist movement in America, the Sunrise Movement, to compare yourselves to advocates for abolition. That says a lot about you. Um, let's see. So it continues and it says, these young people grew up in a world as similarly fraught and polarized as our own. <laughs> we were born into crisis, inheriting a failing world. We tried signing petitions. We tried calling and visiting government offices. Through it all, most politicians ignored us. Now we're taking actions they cannot ignore. Our generation is done asking nicely. We are wide awake, and we will ensure that the architects of this death economy... What? Of this death economy will be too. What? When they do nothing to stop federal agents from snatching us off the streets, when they force us to go back to school in unsafe conditions, when they do nothing to stop our democracy from crumbling, we will shout and sing at their doors from dusk until dawn and make them hear us. The original wide awakes were relentless, and they saw results. In the, sa- in the next half decade, Abraham Lincoln was elected, slavery was abolished, and the visionary reconstruction began in the South. Like our predecessors, we will demand the future we need, not the future our political leaders think they can negotiate for. Our generation will fight for true abolition and complete the unfinished work of the Reconstruction. (laughs) You guys, the Sunrise Movement, again, is the organization trying to pass the Green New Deal that tells us what we're all going to die in 10 years of climate change, but that was what, how many years ago? And so I think we're only down to five years left before we all die. But yes, they're advocating for abolition. I think they've also, in the classic Saul Alinsky tactic, they have transitioned into not just discussing climate change. Now they're also talking about stuff uh, having to do with race because I'm looking at the pictures on their site and it's still pictures of Breonna Taylor posters and Rise Up, uh, No Justice, No Sleep, Wake Up Mitch, Look Us in the Eye, Breonna Couldn't Sleep, Neither. Is that, the, is that the right grammar? I don't know. Um, either way, it's incredibly dangerous to start normalizing the tactic of intimidating politicians that you're trying to change the mind of by staying outside of their house, especially when it gets into situations like Amy Coney Barrett when you're tracking her kids' school movements and her church patterns to be able to track where she is at all times and when she will be coming and going from the home. You sickos. <laughs> okay. We're going to read a viral now. Now, viral Reddit post. (laughs) It's just crazy. This is from Rip It, Throw It Away. 
posted shortly after Roe v. Wade got overturned. Quote, the radical Christians are found in the rural areas. Their towns are defenseless. They have almost no cops, and their firemen are volunteers. They have to borrow cops and firemen from neighboring jurisdictions miles away in order to handle anything big, and they think they're safe out there. Forget burning cities. Cities are on our sides. It's time for rural areas to feel the heat. You show up 100 deep in every rural town in a 50-mile radius intent on revolution, you'll crash their system and make them pay. And if you think I'm kidding, I'm dead serious. This was caused by backward-ass rural conservatives operating out of a Christianized worldview. Even if they're not Christian, they're heavily influenced by it. They were the ones who voted for Trump in 16, those disillusioned, redneck, white trash, blue-collar, to quote a country song, types who flipped massively for the GOP. Punish them. Punish their towns. They say BLM burned the cities to the ground. I say, let them see firsthand what it's like when a community is truly burned to the ground. They want a civil war. They should have been careful when they asked and voted for it. I'm not the organizing type, but maybe someone who is can organize that. Start in a certain state in the Midwest, often called, quote, the South's middle finger to America. It's literally what the South would have looked like if it wasn't reconstructed. So that got posted. And um, shortly after, a ton of the strong, masculine, conservative leading men in America that are public on the internet started posting their responses. And, well, if you're interested, you can look up Drew Hopkins on Instagram He posted just one of the examples, and I completely support these men in being very clear and adamant about what would happen if these Antifa dweebs that can maybe get away with terrorizing cities at night while wearing black block and maybe throwing little Molotov cocktails and looting stores downtown, if they think they can take those same kind of tactics to the countryside and not face massive repercussions just because maybe we have a volunteer firefighting force and our police resources are are a little stretched out, then they really have never been or experienced rural, good old, wholesome America. Okay? It would not be pretty if this happened, but it would end pretty quickly. That's really all that can be said about that right now. And they would be asking for it if they did it. All right, with that being said, you guys, I hope you have a nice uh, start to the week. What a fascinating, fascinating rollout of a political issue. This is going to be interesting, and I hope that the the violence winds down. I hope that we don't get as bad as uh, Black Lives Matter in 2020, but I guess we'll have to wait and see. Mm-hmm.